This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. everybody and welcome to episode 128 of the Stacey West podcast. I am a very husky Ben and I'm joined by Gaz. How are you doing mate? Yes, uh, I'm not sure if I'm throaty or not. Um, it, Carla Green on the radio this morning said that she thought, I, 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 th- I think she said that, she might not have said that actually, I can't really remember, it's been a busy day. Um, so I, I had a, yeah, I think we both had a chat with Carla today didn't we? It was, uh, yeah. Oh, were you on as well? Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, no. Were you on Lynx FM? No, I wasn't. Oh, oh, never mind. (laughs) My wife has started calling me the uh, the Stacey West media whore now. (laughs) I always used to get it back at Jackson's in the day, many moons ago, um, when I was poacher. I used to get my mug in the paper a little bit and do, um, you know, like for various things. And there was a lad bloke there called Keith Kearns, lovely fella, and he just used to call me the local celebrity. And he said, "There's there's nothing worse than a local celebrity being famous for not really you know not being famous but being known in a local area and just yeah. wheeling out the same tired things all the time and at that point i was like great and then the week after there was this thing at the mascot brown national i was in the echo four days on the bounce <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, had... and by the end of it i was just cringing <laughs> <laughs> i had a large number of text messages from co-workers on uh, on on tuesday night he's like Oh, I was just quite happily watching the news, and then there's Ben on the telly. Like, yeah, okay, and then uh, yeah, got the usual jibes of uh, do I need to speak to your agent to invite you to this team's meeting and stuff? I was like, yep, yeah, there, there we go, there we go. Yeah, direct calls to me, I'll sort it out. Mate, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're just time to do one. Do you know what really surprises me? Go on. That many people watch Look North. Yeah, I was I was genuinely quite surprised as well, to be fair. Because I I've not watched Look North in years. I don't, I don't look north or south. <laughs> just, just look forward yes yeah yeah exactly okay. well 
my dad wasn't looking forward in the bar last night. He was Mr. Pessimistic. Well, um, you know, you, you kind of you, you kind of expect that from uh, from from Peter. My dad, book, surely, yeah. Um, but <laughs> seeing as he, he gave he helped give, I was going to say he gave birth to me. He didn't. <laughs> um, he, he, was involved, he was involved in the process earlier on in proceedings, um, hopefully. And um, yeah, he, yeah, so I do get my pessimism from somewhere. But I I know what the score will be. I've told Mo. It's going to be 3-0 to Sunderland. I'll tell you, when we come out of that ground, you'll be saying, that Charlie White's too good, that Ada McGeady's too good. And every time, like in the warm-up, he saw McGeady. There he is. That's that McGeady. He's a bloody good player. He is. Where's that White? There he is. Bloody big lad. He'll score today. It's just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I miss this. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, you know, we, we've, we've spoken on, on social media and stuff and said that we realise how you know, how lucky we were to be in the ground uh, last night. And it was um, the the privilege of a lot of fans, you know, 3,145 3, in the ground last night. It was, uh, it, it was a moment when I think a lot of people were expecting, you know, um, the sort of, you know, the emotion to get the better of them and, and tears flow and all the rest of it in some corners. But I think you summed it up quite well in saying that it, it just felt normal at that point when you got back in. Um, you know, as normal as things can be. Obviously, it was a, a very different way of getting into the ground and very way of, different way of uh, seating layouts and stuff like that. But um, it was, you know, in fairness, it was all really ha- well, handled really well by the club. I thought it was, um, you know, everything seemed to to go relatively smoothly. Um, we all got to our seats, you know, in a, in a decent amount of time. And uh, yeah, definitely just it felt really special last night and to to cap it off with a 2-0 win i don't really think well i mean i predicted 3-1 but that was kind of me you know throwing it at the wall and seeing what stuck at that point but um definitely you know a night to remember wasn't it yeah it was um, i predicted 2-1 on uh, the roker report and then i i didn't do i don't think any other predictions anywhere else because it was too close to call um, and it still is to, to a degree, but yeah, I mean, just on 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 the getting to the ground, um, I was I was actually pleasantly surprised how easy it was to get a drink and a bite to eat in town. I kind of I think I had that post pandemic worry mm. that I thought that we were going to have to kind of go in a shop, get a bottle of pop, and sit by Sinsel Bank Drain for an hour. Um, but I just wanted to be there, kind of soaking some atmosphere up. So it was nice to be able to go and get a bite to eat and have a drink. Um, in terms of getting into the ground. And actually, it was easier than some match days. You know, the, the big gates were open. There was, I think, four points um, at the Stacey West End. There was four people checking your tickets mm-hmm. with the little readers as you went in. So it was just a really fast flow. And I was quite lucky because I was block six in the Stacey West, which is as close to kind of the, the toilets and the um, the gates as you like. So, it, you know, it was very much in straight to my seat, not worrying too much about the directional arrows and things because... You know, I was more or less straight in. Um, a bit weird. I'm not a big fan of the Portaloos. I don't know if you had Portaloos up in the um, gods where you were, but we had four <laughs> Portaloos. So I saved my toilet breaks for while the match was on because I knew then that people were going in the Portaloos and not locking the door, and then other people were going up, opening the door, and somebody was there having a pee. Now, normally, <laughs> if somebody walks into the toilet and you're lined up it doesn't matter but if you're having one in solace and then someone opens the door you have a tendency to jump um and i didn't want to <laughs> walk, 
boy on my trainers. So, so I was kind of timing, you know, there was a few extra considerations uh, in place. And, um, you know, I've told you a story off air about the mask, which I probably shan't repeat, but obviously wearing the mask for 90 minutes wasn't comfortable. And I ensured I had a bottle of sugar-free Pepsi uh, and unusually slow, long slurps of that. Mm. Um, every so often just to get some fresh air in but uh, yeah on the hats off to the um to the club and uh, the stewards were brilliant mm. obviously there was nice touches like the boards around outside the ground with michael's picture on welcoming people back mm-hmm. um so yeah look look those boards did look a little bit like the nightclub bouncer welcoming you in though didn't they got, like, <laughs> a huge great big michael going welcome back you almost expected it at the bottom to say if you cause any trouble you'll be yeah. out your no train's not down. Yeah, your name's not down. You're not coming in. Um, yeah. So no, it was good. It was good. And then it was a obviously it was a great evening's uh, football. Uh, you know, it, it, bittersweet that everybody wasn't there. We keep saying it, but it's amazing how quickly you fall back into the routine of being a football fan. You know, yeah. I mean, we've got some sound bites. I don't know if we're going to play them in at some point, but you know, the chanting was really good, and there was a great feeling. But as soon as that whistle went. Do you know what? It was like reverting to type. You know, all of a sudden Lee Johnson's a this, that, and the other on the touchline, and you're shouting at Jamie McComb like you know you were when you were here and stuff like that. Um, so, an in- interesting fact um, to me and nobody else didn't realise their goalkeeping coach was Lee Butler, who was actually in Golfling mm. in the first game I ever watched. Ironically, from the uh, from the Stacey. Oh, there we go. Um, but no, I know what you mean. Like it, it kind of after you'd got that initial like that sort of feeling of oh christ i'm back in the ground this is amazing like when the when the lads came out and you know lined up for the kickoff everything just felt right and back to where it should be you know it was um it was apart from the empty seats well you know what i mean like again as much as it can be but like everything was just it it was really nice to just be able to sit there and you know I think we, you know, we mentioned it last week in, in being able to look at other areas of the pitch rather than just where the ball is and see how things are moving. And you mentioned in the in your in the write up there about uh, like Liam Bridcut, for example, like when the ball's moving forward, you can see him marshalling the defence and like some of the younger players just to kind of give them that extra, you know, that extra bit of encouragement or guidance that's that's not necessarily going to be coming from the uh, from the bench. And it was it was fascinating to watch because it, you know, you got a real picture of a really cohesive team all the way through the night. Um, and it was, it was just great. Like seeing, um, seeing everything coming together in the way that it did. Um, you know, we obviously had a couple of, uh, of moments in the first half where I think, I, I think, you know, deep in my gut, it would have been lovely to see, a goal scored in that first half because that would have been you know in front of the Stacey West and and it just would have been that special moment it made it even more so but you know having having a ball just get tipped over the post uh, tipped over the bar sorry and then going for uh, you know being given as a goal kick and uh, you know having Brennan Johnson hit the post um, a few minutes later it was it was that slow slow build up of like we're going to get something here and then by the time that you know Tom netted in the second half. I it was just such a relief, you know, eighteen months or fourteen months of just 
frustration of not being able to get into a ground and you know at one point not seeing football for months on end at all um having that goal go in um i think probably explains a lot why my voice is like it is today <laughs> um it was just it was a magic moment and uh and then it was just capped off by you know a moment of 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 instinct really from from Brennan Johnson at the end. Um you're doing the whole game here, are you from start to finish? Well no, I'm um, just I'm, I'm just give, give us a about, shout. Give us a shout when you're ready. I'm you're just on, talking about bits and I was gonna say, <laughs> what was your take on it? Jesus Christ, we're back in the we're back in the ground for one game and you're back to this already. What do we back to this? I never went away from it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's only because I, I picked up on a point actually there you said about you know it's a shame there wasn't a goal at the Stacey West but actually with fact with Lincoln fans in every end of the ground um yeah, it, yeah it, it, it was quite it was quite interesting you, you couldn't see an awful lot of the first goal from where I was sat mm. uh, and you quite rightly picked out Liam Bridcott I mean his role in that goal was you know he, he, he's like he's been fired out of a cannon when you watch the uh the replay because mm. um obviously the initial shot from Grant's blocked and the ball's kind of cleared and you're thinking what's going to happen here and from nowhere like a glitch on a com- <laughs> game. Um, Cock, he does doesn't he he kind of comes yeah. through in this mad position smashes the ball kicks it in a way that only a Commodore 64 um, 8-bit computer could possibly uh, do justice um, and he just summed up Liam Bridcock for me I, I thought he was absolutely excellent he was my man of the match I know Sky gave it to Bridcock I think um, others yeah. gave it to TJ Ioma Regan Paul was very very close very mm-hmm. very close for me uh, yeah and that's probably because where I was sitting you could see everything that Regan was doing because you I was straight down the touchline and he's, he's a very very clever footballer and again as you alluded to when you're there and you can see everything that's going on on the field you see an awful lot that you don't on I follow on I follow all you're seeing is when a player has the ball what they do with it um, and I saw a lot more of Anthony Scully last night than I have in the other 40 odd games that he's played because I could watch everything um, mm. keeping an eye on him is quite tough he, he was like a, he was like a, a child in the park do you know what I mean he's just like yeah. running from one place to the next to the next I'm going to pull you up on that because you you had a go at me when I compared him to a, a child playing football not long ago ah. No, 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 no. I haven't compared him to a child playing football. I said he's difficult <laughs> to keep an eye on like a child in the park. So when you take a child to the park, the child is excited and they go from the swings to the slide to the roundabout to the bins to the strangers to the dog to the other kids. And that's what he was like. He was running everywhere. You likened him to a child footballer, which is very, very different. So you can pull me up if you want, but you're wrong. <laughs> I would expect nothing less. Can I continue? You may. Or do you want to wrongly pull me up on something else? Well, no, because I know that I'm I'm right deep down. That's well, I, I don't think you are deep down. <laughs> <laughs> you collect toys, and you're you're thirty something, and you're you're just as twisted and as messed up as I am. Uh, who collects <laughs> stickers, and as it turns out, toys as toys, well, because yeah. the Corinthians things, yeah. Uh, uh, but mine aren't in boxes, so I'm like a heathen toy collector. Then when Tom's goal went in, um, it was, yeah, it was, it was a great moment. And do you know what? I think we've said it on podcasts. I've certainly said it on other media that um, for me, that was the moment I missed. You know, mm. you, you, you all missed something specific about the football. It might 
might be uh, shouting abuse at people. It might be meeting up with people. It might be all of that. But, you know, the, the, the defining moment of any football game for me, you're the, the buzz, the kick, if you like, is when your team scores. Because in that moment, as I wrote earlier, that's where everything comes together. And it doesn't matter if you're losing 2-0 and you score. You still have that feeling of joy, win or lose. Okay, if it's 90 minutes and you're 8-1 down, you don't. But you still celebrate it in a, in a way. So when Tom's goal went in, that was kind of like, like that, you know, sticking a pin in a balloon. So the, the pressure's been building up and it was... Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it was almost like, hang on, life's, life's getting back to normal again um i mean yeah tom hopper scoring a poacher's goal um is probably not that normal um you know he's he's not been entirely prolific but i thought it was just rewards for a, a huge amount of work um thought it was as i said liam bridcott is is creator partly george grant gets the assist it was just nice to see um and then as you say with brennan's goal do you know what um, Sunderland fans have every right to be angry with the lad that played the ball back because you watch the replay mm-hmm. and he watches Brennan, he turns his back on him and then he slowly ambles towards the ball and Brennan's already on his shoulder and he never checks mm-hmm. he never checks where Brennan is and all he has to do is put a tiny little bit more on that and it stays 1-0 um, and you, I, I personally don't think you can blame the keeper and I know people will do, I know their fans do but, you know, the keeper has got to do what he's got to do. And he's got to welly that ball as hard as he can. We conceded one, didn't we, That uh, in a similar way? Was it against Accrington? Uh, I think so, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. And, and, you know, nine times out of ten, 99 times out of 100, that is not given. Whether it's for the, and I'm going to use inverted commas, handball, because he's bought his hands by his side. He, he handles it, but his hands, his arms you know, are not out grabbing hold of the ball. Um, but he could be disallowed for that. could be disallowed allowed for uh, sorry it could, it could be uh, not go in because the ball bounces out for a goal kick it goes do you know what I mean mm. there's a million and one places that ball can end up uh, and one of them you know on this one occasion was right in front of Brennan Johnson in a six yard box and that's what wins and loses your playoffs I said it to my old man um, you know you, it's the bounce of a ball it's yeah. the interpretation of a referee and the best thing is when you're already 2-0 up the bounce of a ball or the interpretation of a referee is not quite as important in the next leg when you've already got that advantage so yeah. but I did like you you, you I think were the first to, to point it out on Twitter where the uh, the Sky commentator said this is a good spell for Sunderland yeah Sunderland um, are having a good spell <laughs> oh no oh yeah. fantastic I love shit like that <laughs> But like, you know, I it, it was just it was one of those moments where we've had it happen against us. And I can't remember really the last time that we had a moment like that fall in our favour. And it was just it was just one of those moments where you think, oh, Christ, that's beautiful. Like when you're on the other end of it, you absolutely hate it. But when it happens for you, it's just it, it's such a good feeling. And I mean, you say about that moment when you're all together and, you know, that 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 joy that you feel when a goal goes in. For me, I think, and this is going to sound really strange, but the sound and the, the bit that I've missed probably the most is that split second before the, before the net ripples where everyone's just holding their breath a little bit. And you can see it if you watch the... Um, if you watch the highlights back, you can see it when George hits that ball there's almost like an entire intake of breath from the whole stadium. And then they see that Tom's gotten on the end of it and it just erupts. And that moment, 
like it's seared into my brain now just like what what a moment that was and um yeah like you know there's been a lot of uh a lot of talk um today you know i've seen quite a lot of, of stuff that's been retweeted into my timeline and all the rest of it um that you know obviously the sunderland fans are are angry they're annoyed and they're you know they're disappointed with the performance um and that some of them have sort of given that quick begrudging you know oh well good luck to lincoln well done to lincoln you know but i think the the reasoning that Sunderland fans feel disappointed and you know the reason that they they perceive the teams playing badly is because we played we played as well as we know we can and we stopped them playing you know I, I don't think I don't really think Aidan McGeady, McGeady had too much to do in the game um and Charlie White was anonymous for me you know he, he was it was the same as when we played them at their place and Regan Paul had uh White in his pocket again you know the just the the, the, the threat that we've said before, the threat from White comes from McGeady and, you know, having those balls come in. Um, the only other player really that, that seemed to make too much of a difference was obviously Gooch, but, um, you know, just we've got to put something out there for Joe Bursick because I thought he was fantastic. You know, the, the amazing save that he made, tipping it onto the bar, um, you know, just after half time uh, was you know fantastic and you know the the goalkeeping situation which i am subject to a special award from you i do believe for asking you the, the obvious question for the 10th time um of you know why is he allowed to play for us when he's played for three of the clubs um i think he had a superb game and uh i i, I would not be shocked if there was a place for him to go on loan next season that it would be us but I don't think that'll happen um, because there is the potential that Stoke may be lending him to a team in their own division but let's not get ahead of ourselves um, your thoughts on Bursic? Yeah he's bloody good <laughs> Yeah do you know what it was it was the first couple of um, the first couple of moments where the ball's gone into him and you, you think just get, get a touch of it and, and then he made a, a relatively straightforward save and, and just as the game went on confidence grew and I mean that, the, the moment at the beginning of the second half was massive because you know, Sunderland came out all guns blazing. I, I disagree a little bit about McGeady. I thought that McGeady had a, a decent game. If anything was going to happen, it was going to come through him. And um, they did get balls into the box. And, you know, the, the, the wide players twisting and turning caused our fullbacks problems at times in a defensive capacity. And I, I thought for a short while in the early part of the second half, we, were, we looked a little bit on the ropes, um, probably until Tom's goal. And then that, that changed the balance of the game again. Um, so when, when Joe made the, uh, made the save, yeah, it was a massive save, but it, it just helped with the confidence a little bit. And, you know, moments later, he was beaten for the only time in the game and, it, and the crossbar came to our rescue. And that was a thump in the header. And I do, I did have a little bit of a worry about our aerial ability at the back. I felt with Adam Jackson going off, um, we just lacked a little bit. That's that's one thing, one area with TJ and Lewis that I don't think they're as strong at is uh, defending the set pieces. You know, you often see Regan's kind of back there doing that as well. I actually thought that Charlie White won a few headers. Mm. 
not a goal, um, but there was flick-ons and loose balls and things like that. And by the way, he's a horrible bastard. I was watching him closely, and you'd love him to play for us because he's, you know, he's, he's a real danger man. But he's all elbows and kicks, and and there was a really interesting battle shortly with him and Bridcut. I wrote about. I seem to think why. I can't remember who we pole-laxed in the area. Someone got a whack on the back of the head. It was a clear elbow. Referee's never going to see it. Oh, it was Regan Paul. Yeah, and and then five minutes later, uh, Bridcut just took White out in the middle of the park. Like White was running, the ball was nowhere near, and you just saw Bridcut just like go across him, whack have some of that, you bugger. Uh, and and he took yeah, the referee played played on. Weird decision for me actually because he played on the ball. Just yeah, roll out of play and he didn't get the free yeah. kick. <laughs> yeah, he just went bang like booked booked Liam and kind of took it, but then took it upon himself to referee a bit of the game as well, pointing some stuff out. And Lee Jackson, Lee Jackson, Lee Johnson. I thought he was going to go off like a firework round. I mean, he was poured in, into that suit. And I tell you something, the rage it must have stretched its three sizes. Absolutely <laughs> hilarious to watch. Um, but we we got the rubber to green yeah, on another day. That game that game finishes a different score. To be fair, um, XG we uh, XG actually um, actually suggested we should have won it too. Okay. That Sunderland probably you know the, their best chance I think was probably, was the header from Bailey Bailey Wright, which was belting yeah. header. Um, but we we. we we were a clear goal ahead of them, 2.15 to 1.11, and 11 shots from us, five on target. I thought we were clinical in front mm. of goal when we got a chance. The only player in an attacking sense who could have done better was Morgan Rogers. I'd, I'd yeah. agree with that. Yeah, I think I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to use the phrase disappointing because obviously it was hard to be disappointed in a game like last night. But I, I would probably say, you know, that there was a couple of moments where Morgan was through and I, th- I seem to remember a moment in the first half where he was, uh, you know, he jinked past a couple of players and you've got Anthony Scully in about, you know, there's about a 10 yard circle around him where there's nobody near him and uh, Morgan decided to shoot instead of square it. Yeah. Scully weren't happy about that. No, he, wasn't. He, was, <laughs> he was right in front of me, right in front of me. And he, he wasn't happy, but I'm not going to criticize Morgan Rogers because tracking back, he was, he was from yeah, 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 he worked so hard. And when you think back to February, you know, people were talking about I'm not going to say lazy because that kind of plays into that young prima donna stereotype. But people were saying he doesn't work as hard. You know, when he's on form, you've got twelve men. When he's not on form, it's like you've got ten men. Mm. And actually, his game's developing very quickly. And I was surprised. It's the first time I've seen him in the flesh. He is a big lad. Yeah, yeah he's oh, tall. Um, I knew he was six foot or something, but you know, I tell you, when he comes of age, bear in mind he's 18, at 22, that boy's going to be playing Premier League mm. football. Whether it's for Man City, I don't know. It might be for a Brighton or it might be for somebody like that, you know, a lower half, kind of like a Tammy Abraham figure. Mm. But he's he's got a little bit of everything. Yeah, he's just arrogant on the ball in a good way. He's confident. He's got a swagger. He believes in himself. And, and yeah, he made some bad choices yesterday. But then you look at Brennan Johnson, two or three years older, uh, probably not actually, probably only two years older if that, but do you know what I mean? Further down his career path, at least by a season. Yeah. And uh, and, and he had a, a great game. There was nobody that had a bad game. You know, they they all put their bodies on the line and we hit that wonderful combination of playing well um, and winning the game. And, and it's a, it was a great time to get such a huge, huge result. Yeah, absolutely. I think the... Um the, the interesting thing is you say there about Morgan Rogers, I seem to recall on the podcast when he was he was getting some of that stick. I think we both said, you know, that give him 
give him a little bit of time with with Michael because I think it was shortly after he came in, you know, give him some time with a coach that can develop him in the way that we need, you know, he believes that he can become a better player, and he'll he, he'll you know we'll read the rewards and we're seeing that what four months down the line, he's just been. I, I thought he's like you say tracking back and defensively yesterday. I thought he was he was great. Um, it was just a shame that you know a couple of decisions where you think there's a ball on there and unfortunately decided to take a shot on um, and it, it didn't quite come off for him last night. But you know at least he's got the gut. You know at least he's got the balls to do that. There's been players in the past that we've had that would get to that point and you know try and pass a ball when there's nobody near them. Um, but you know, I just think there's there's very little to complain about from any aspect of last night. Um, on on the whole, really, I thought uh, you know the game was great, the surroundings were great, the atmosphere was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, I had a text from somebody that that I you know they don't follow Lincoln City at all. They they're a Premier League fan. You know they they will scoff if you tell them that you're a lower league fan but he watched the game last night because he knew I was going and I got you know he sent me a text at half time saying Jesus Christ there's only 3,000 in that ground just says it all what you know just phenomenal absolutely phenomenal so obviously you mentioned Gaz in there about uh, the XG uh, for the game Um, have we got a winner yet and when will the winner be posted for the newly christened Jack Mulhall Golden XG Award from the Stacey West when the season is over Ben um, you can't give out the XG Award when there is still XG and goals to be had so uh, we do have at the moment a leader or did I say I was doing it over 46 games I don't know but anyway it'll be announced when I do my article on player of the season and I'm waiting to do uh, waiting to do that after we've completed all of our games Okay. So potentially on Saturday, hopefully a week on Sunday. Uh, after that, we'll do it. There is there are two players um, who are are in the running for it. And there's one that I think has already got it on the in the bag. So just for those who don't know, it's not just the the player that's got the best xG during a during a game or a season or anything. We're taking their uh, their full xG from the season. We are um, subtracting that. We're taking their goals for the season, subtracting the xG. Uh, so expected goals uh, and whoever then has the highest figure left is the winner which means that's the player who has scored more goals than their xg suggested they should now you'll hear the rather unprofessional click of a button uh, or <laughs> two while i do this because what i'm going to tell you is what the leader um or what the current leaders currently have so there's a there's a top three, okay. The player in third place has a difference of 1.27, so he's scored 1.27 more goals than his xG. The okay. player in second place has scored 3.56 uh, more goals than xG. Okay. Uh, and and quite remarkably, and it surprised me, the player who is leading the way at the moment uh, has got 4.19 more goals than his xG. Uh, which I find fascinating. Now, when you think that as a club, okay, we average 1.68 goals and our XG is 1.6 goals. So we're very, very close. I mean, I don't know anyone who saw how many players were in minus, um, but there was an awful lot of players who have had 
more chances uh, than, than goals scored. Naturally, the most wasteful were, were James Jones, which is harsh, two goals and 3.91 XG. Regan Paul, but he's got no goals. So if, if he's been anywhere near the goal at all, unfortunately, he starts counting against him. But stats say he should have scored a 1.6. Uh, and George Grant on uh, and so with 15 goals and 16.16 xg you can you can almost be forgiven it's like having a go at somebody for you know if you give somebody a tenner and they lose nine quid of it it looks <laughs> bad but if you give them you know 200 quid <laughs> and they lose nine quid of it so um yeah there we go yeah i mean the thing is like it, it, it always makes me chuckle because i think back to the i think it was the we were on tv for sunderland earlier in the season weren't we yeah yeah, yeah, you know, because you were on Sky. That was Gillingham, was it? Yeah, I, I I lose track of all your media um, <laughs> commitments. All right, I just ah oh, dear. No, but there was um, I'm, I'm sure it was. Uh, did you have shoes on for that? Yes, I did have shoes yeah, on okay. for that. You cheeky sod. Um, but there was a there was a stat that got read out, and it said that Regan Paul has never scored for Lincoln City, and the way that the guy said never, I just thought. Really? Like a right back who signed a month and a half ago and he's never scored for us. No shit. But um, yeah, I mean, just reverting back to the uh, the golden XG, there is a trophy that has been created. Um, I'm sure there will be a, uh, a photo of the full trophy on Twitter or indeed in the article. Um, so I need to get that over to you at some point so you can either, you know, present it to the player or just have it on a shelf somewhere i'm sure it'll probably be on a shelf somewhere because i don't really think it'd be appropriate to give it to a player why well i don't know it'd be nice but i might, I might package it up and send it to the club with an explanation of what it was for because it's not <laughs> actually a bad award is it i mean it, you know mm. it's rewarding the, the most clinical player um, by True. using what is essentially a made-up stat <laughs> so <laughs> there you go okay uh, so do you want to hear my playoff um stats now go on then yes let's go for it um so i was interested to to see in terms of league two a uh, league one playoffs how many teams have overturned a two goal deficit from the first leg mm-hmm. uh, and it turns out since the beginning of the league two play, uh, league one playoffs keep saying league two it's a small town mentality need <laughs> shake that uh, there have actually only been four occasions where a team have lost by more by two goals or more in the first leg and then triumphed in the second leg. Um, so the uh, and there's a little bit of uh, omen potentially here as well. Okay. So the first time is 2007 uh, when Yeovil lost two nil at home to Nottingham Forest in the first leg. Then went away to Nottingham Forest and won five two after extra time. Wow. Uh, and they got through to uh, play Blackpool <laughs> in the final. <laughs> <laughs> So that's quite interesting. Uh, in 2005, the last time we were in a, a, a playoff final, Hartlepool beat Tranmere Rovers 2-0 at home in the first leg, uh, and then they lost 2-0 to Tranmere Rovers in the second leg. However, Hartlepool went on to win on penalties. Okay. So technically, uh, the, the two-goal deficit was was overturned, um, but unfortunately it, was, uh, it wasn't enough. Uh, but in the final... Uh, Hartlepool actually lost to Sheffield Wednesday, who who we could play next year were we to lose in a final. So that was interesting. 1998 was the next time. In that instance, Grimsby were actually in the playoffs. They were not the ones um, who uh, who overturned 
and the deficit. Uh, but they did draw 1-1 with Fulham in the semi-finals, which obviously is the result that denied us promotion to the second tier last time. Uh, it was actually Bristol Rovers who won 3-1 in the first leg against Northampton, but lost 3-0 in the second leg away at Northampton. Um, and Grimsby won the final uh, and, and, and went uh, and beat Northampton. So as yet... As yet, nobody overturned the two-goal deficit on the final uh, until we get to the very earliest instance of it happening in 1996. Uh, Bradford City lost 2-0 to Blackpool. <laughs> Again, in the first leg. In the second leg, Bradford won 3-0 to knock Blackpool out with Mark Stallard scoring the third goal. Mm. Uh, which again, I, I found that quite interesting. And they went through to the final against Notts County, uh, where they won two 0 and Mark Stallard scored again. So, yeah, really interesting. I think uh, other people might just have shut off and wonder <laughs> uh, what, what that was about. So, look, history's on our side, but history means nothing. It's only what's happened before. It's not what can happen now. So, you know, it's half time. I'm not going to get carried away. Uh, all I am thankful for is that Jake gets to come on here. Uh, and be positive because the last time I left you two alone uh, on the Stacey West podcast for any period of time was before the Blackpool game where you had written the entire season off and were morose and having people unsubscribing. Um, and here we in, are. I was in a, a, an annoying place, let's say, with, during that time. So. And here we, here we are about six weeks later uh, and we've got a 2-0 um, advantage going into the second leg with a potential Wembley date for a place in the championship so Jake can you be happy with that that is a good question can we do that Jake I think we'll give it a good go Ben (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I you know yes the last podcast we did was a little bit down but uh, it was mainly because I was in a bit of a weird place and I think the club were uh, it was just a very strange time, but um, I think we can be a bit more upbeat tonight. Yeah, I think I think last night's given us a, one or two reasons to perhaps be a bit more optimistic going into into Saturday. Absolutely. So as we as we look forward to Saturday, um, in in many ways, I suppose you know, looking forward is in you know ahead to the game, and then obviously looking forward to it from a, a point of view being yes, we've got another match. Um, I mean, you you were live on a Sunderland watch along, was it last night? Uh, it was. Uh, so I was on a Fleetwood Town. Uh, the, he, oh he, yes, of course, yeah, on, yeah, yeah. yeah. On the uh, Lincoln City match day live a few times, and I was on there yesterday, and um, yeah, it was quite good actually. Yeah. So I mean, did did you have any um, any interactions with uh, with Sunderland folks last night? Uh, too. I sort of jumped in. There's a, there's a YouTube channel called SAFC Fan TV, and I, I hopped in their comment section. It's full of about 200 something fans. I just popped in a few laughing emojis and got like, <laughs> to them. They're just see, Generation Z sort of trolls, really. I'm not sure Gaz will be able to understand that, but um, yes, it was good fun, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was, uh, it was just, it was pretty special, but um, so. I mean, with everything that's with everything that's happened, obviously it's been um, it, it was a, a, a well, obviously a cracking result, and uh, we've got a lot of um, a lot of questions to answer, a lot of things to look forward to. Uh, first big question, I suppose, is do we stick with Bursic and goal? Um, I mean, I think there is a point to be made that we may have to, because I think is it 
Is it six days that Palmer needs it's to rest seven, after the concussion? Seven. seven. seven um, right. As far as I'm aware, that seven days has gone today. That's what I've sort of seen flying around social media. Well, today as we record Thursday, but that could that could well be wrong because it's Lincoln City banter that I'm I'm referring to, and obviously that only the truth is told on those sort of pages. So. <laughs> Um, but I mean, I, mean, I, I had I'd heard that it was Monday that he had the injury. Yeah. Um, so obviously those seven days would, would presumably come up next Monday. But I mean, regardless of whether that's uh, you know going to be an issue or not, I think um, I know he's back in training today. Michael said so. Whether that is a case of he's going to be able to uh, to to be part of the squad or not, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean what. I, I can't remember what somebody said. I, I don't know if if we then have two eligible goalkeepers or an eligible goalkeeper to play that the emergency loan has to end. I don't know whether that's correct or not. But I think it's a seven-day loan, Ben. I think it's a seven-day loan. So I think, what, did he come in on uh, Tuesday? Yeah. I think the loan will end on Tuesday. So right, I assume yeah. the club, that will mean the club are covered for Saturday should okay. we need it. Uh, but to be honest with you, I wouldn't be against throwing throwing him in because you, you could sort of tell the quality that he possessed you know I was only watching it on Sky you guys were at the ground but it was class wasn't it you can see why he's so highly rated at, at Stoke absolutely you know I've got um, a, a Stoke uh, I've got a Stoke supporting friend and I was, I was having a chat with him last night um, before the game I said you know We've, we've signed him on emergency loan. Do you rate him? And he said he was, uh, he was he was actually quite surprised to see him go out in the first place because uh, he'd, he'd been playing well when he's appeared for Stoke. Um, so yeah, I mean, what what do you reckon in terms of uh, in terms of that one? Are we gonna are we gonna stick with Bursic or? Well, I think you have to, don't you? I think <laughs> you have to because of because of the saves that you made. You know, Charlie White um, didn't really get a sniff all day. I know that's sort of the defence, but. You know, Aidan McGeady as well, he made a couple of saves from McGeady, uh, controlled his box really well. And I think with someone coming on to us, you know, they're going to be forced to come on to us and they're going to put a lot of balls in the box. And I feel like Bursic controlled his, his area really well. So I, I feel like we'd be a bit stupid to not pick him um, mm. whilst we've got him at the club. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with you wholeheartedly on that one. I think just for the sake of consistency, I know... That's probably a bit of a strange thing to say, given that you know we've gone through the entire season with Alex Palmer, but um, obviously Bursic knows now what what he's uh, what he's in for, what he's up against, and uh, I think um, I, I think it will probably be a case of, of playing him. Um, but then you know, obviously that then spreads out into the rest of the team. Um, Michael said in his program notes, I think that you know we're not going to. We'd, well, the eleven that start the game against Sunderland aren't necessarily going to be the eleven that finish the second leg. Um, I think that's immediately obvious from uh, the fact that we're going to be missing Adam Jackson. But um, aside from Jackson, you know, do we see what do we reckon about the, the rest of the starting eleven for for Saturday? Because it's um, there's some big choices, uh, well, some big decisions to be made, isn't there? Yeah, I mean. I'd- in terms of consistency, like you just sort of said with Bursic, I don't really think we should change it. Um, obviously, some of them, that, as I said, they're going to come on to us, aren't they? They've got sort of no real choice. Um, so you'd like to think that if we keep Johnson, Rogers, Scully, all that started, they're all going to cause them a few problems on the counter-attack, which will probably be our main outlet on, on Saturday. But obviously, you know, 
uh, with Jackson out, it probably looks like Montsworth to start. Um, you'd think, unless Joe Walsh is back, I'm, I'm not too sure. I've not really read the latest news, but you know, Montsworth, when he came on, he really handled Charlie White pretty well, I thought. So mm. I wouldn't be too phased against against Lewis, bringing Lewis in um, because obviously him and TJ had that really good run at centre-half, didn't they? Right at the back end of the season where we kept a load of clean sheets away from home. So, yeah, I think I think Michael's really got to stick with what we've got because as much as it's tough to say that the players on the bench might not affect the game, the players that we have on the pitch will affect will help us play the game plan more effectively to make sure we get through to the final, if that sort of makes sense. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with you on that. I just think it's... Uh, I, I would, you know, potentially wonder if we if we play McGrandles from the start, have that more kind of a little bit more defensively minded play um, sort of from the start. And I know McGrandles can get forward and has obviously scored a few goals this season, but I just wonder if it's... Um, if there's maybe a little bit more control in the game and and try and um, you know try and dominate the possession a little bit with would that would that be for Scully Ben? Would you, I would, would you take out would you take out Scully and then move yeah. Johnson or Rogers over to the right? I would yeah I I'd probably say you know have stick with the um, the front three of, of Johnson uh, Hopper and Scully uh, and um, Rogers there we go that's the other person. Um, <laughs> And then, um, you know, sort of take Scully out and, and put um, uh, put McGrandles in. Maybe then, you know, kind of have a little bit more of a compact midfield and, and try and stop as much as you can in that area. Um, because I think, obviously, you know, I think a lot of Sunderland fans are suggesting now that they're potentially going to be going 4-3-3 um, and, you know, really going all out for it. And I, I, I don't know. I just think maybe having... Um, maybe having some something more in the midfield um, that's that's maybe not looking to get forward straight away all the time um, would would potentially give us the edge in that battle there. But um, I don't know. Um, you know, I think uh, it was a strong team that finished the game. It was obviously a strong team that started the game as well. But I, I at, at this point, I'm not particularly um, concerned about the, the starting eleven because. You know, as as you know, as last night showed, I think the faith should be there in in Michael and, and what he's doing. Yeah, but, I mean, it'd be a bit of a shit podcast, Ben, if we if we agreed on a team, wouldn't it? For <laughs> so, and you know, you and you and Gary have worked incredibly hard. Well, I know you've worked incredibly hard to uh, to get this podcast on off the uh, off the ground. So, yes, I can't I can't say I'm going to agree, but I think we keep. Scully in purely for that counter-attacking threat really you know you have Johnson Rogers Scully all running at you know well what was it McFasden that came on at left back and Flanagan who from what my report sort of just because that was his first game in quite a while through injury so I think you have to sort of play those three in in behind um, in behind Harps because you know they're as I say they're going to try and make it you know we're going to try and make them suck on to us and you know, hit them on the counter. And that's how we sort of did it. If you look at the two games up at uh, the stadium alike that we've played in the, in the league and in the Papa John's, we've done that and it's sort of worked before. So I feel like Michael might have a bit more faith to stick with that rather than add the Grandels and add that bit more discipline in the midfield. But, you know, either way, Ben, it's going to be quite a strong team, isn't it? You know, you'd, you'd probably fancy us, but, you know, it's, it's a good thing that he's got all these choices, I suppose. Yeah, totally. I mean, I just wonder... 
I, I just wonder how we're going to attack the game. You know, are we going to are we going to allow them to come at us for the first fifteen minutes or so? Um, I think obviously. I fucking hope not. <laughs> <laughs> My battles be shitting it. <laughs> you know, I think I think the big thing is that. Um, you know the the thing that I'm I've got in the back of my mind at the moment is if they come at us for the first you know 10 15 minutes or so and they don't get an early goal I wonder how quickly their fans are going to turn on them yeah it's it's interesting because then you'd also think they've not been in the ground for 14 months even if they were they weren't straight back in the tie you'd like to think you know as it you know you, you saw it from our team we weren't we weren't ahead straight away well I assume I, mean, I didn't have the sound on but you lot behind the team and mm. you know in terms of a football perspective you'd like to think that some of them would do the some of the fans would do that but from a Lincoln City perspective you hope they fucking turn on them pretty sharpish because that place is toxic like mm. really toxic yeah I mean that that's that's the thing it's you know a lot of a lot of teams you know ourselves included particularly you know last night I, I think they would be they would be a lot slower to turn, um, primarily because you know I think the, the, as much as I'm not a big fan of having that underdog tag, like all of the pressure, and I know it's it's a cliche at this point, but all of the pressure was on Sunderland last night, and if there was pressure on them last night, Saturday is going to be unbearable if you were to you know if you, if you were to be in that position. And I do, I, I just have a feeling that, you know, if if things don't go well in that first 15, 20 minutes, then the atmosphere could start to turn and it could get, it could get quite nasty. Um, and that's the, that's the big thing, you know, obviously having just over 3,000 in last night for ourselves gave us that boost and gave us that lift to get us over the line. But when you're going to have 10,000 in the stand, it, yeah, I, I don't know. Is is that going to be something that will play on Sunderland's mind rather, you know, more than ours? I don't know. Well, I think I think if they turn, I think you know, like we said with Rogers and and Johnson yesterday, as a sort of a positive, they took it, you know, in their stride. Do you think that as an away player here in the home crowd getting really frustrated, I think that's going to like turn Johnson and and Rogers into some sort of you know prime Lionel Messi and, and David Sommer. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, and also, um, I was just sort of watching some videos back I've done with some of them fans sort of over the last couple of weeks. And uh, especially at home, they, they've really got annoyed when teams sort of sit back, sit deep and try and defend. You know, you look at Northampton on the final day, they drew 1-1. Northampton yeah. went ahead of that game. And Northampton, they were already relegated, but they just sat back, didn't let Sunderland play. They they marked McGeady out the game. They just sat two banks of four. So... Appleton might be tempted to go for that, you know, as you say with with Randalls, but uh, I think the best sort of form of defence is attack because if you have, if, you know, someone score, if they break, breach the defence in 10 minutes, then I think we're all going to be sitting a bit uneasy on the toilet seat, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I can't see him going going to the game and, and looking to just sit back and defend that 2-0 that lead. Um, he's obviously acknowledged that, you know, again, another cliche, but a 2-0 lead is potentially the most dangerous lead that you can take into a second leg. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't think we're going to see, you know, a quick, like 
as frantic a start and as, as quick as a start as we saw, you know, against Peterborough, for example. I think yeah. there could be, you know, a little bit more measured, a little bit more calm, but still with that purpose. And uh, hopefully, you know, we can we can come away with, you know, at, at least a goal because I, I think the first goal, if there, you know, if, if there is a goal in the game, the first goal will absolutely turn those fans in that stadium. If it goes to us, then it'll be horrendous. So you're saying first goal is is pretty much the biggest goal? Oh, 100%. I think if the if the first goal goes... So you've to some, been talking to Gary. <laughs> Jeez, you know, if, cliches. If, if the first goal goes to Sunderland on, on Saturday and it's early in the game, then I think the crowd becomes a bigger hindrance to, to us. But if we can sneak an early goal or sneak in at some point and, you know, nick one, then it, it that will swing in our favour. And honestly, I think one of the biggest things is that, you know, Sunderland have to score two and not concede. And that seems to be their biggest problem um, in, you know, in the, the, the last couple of months. They, they don't seem to be keeping that many clean sheets. So, you know, whether we can capitalise on that a bit more and, potentially get another goal I don't know but uh, I'm feeling pretty confident I'm not going to lie I'm feeling I'm, I'm feeling like we'd, we you know don't want to count any chickens yet but I'm I'm feeling pretty pretty confident how about yourself well I was just going to say that sounded a bit too upbeat then for me and you being on the podcast <laughs> so um, until, until you mentioned that last little bit about uh, you're not counting your chickens but uh, yeah I mean I'm, I'm pretty confident that we're going to win the tie whether we're going to win the game um, you know, I think you you have to look at the two displays up at the, the stadium and light in the season, and I think you take a po- just a positive result, wouldn't you? Really, you take it, you know, a, a draw or a win. Um, but you know what? I've been negative on it before, so I'm going to be all that positive and say we're going to go there and, and absolutely batter them because I think that they're going to have to come on to us and we're going to pick it. You know, we're going to pick them off and yeah, and get to get to Wembley and oh, we shall wait and see. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think, you know, the, the pace that we've got in the squad, the youth that we've got in the squad, the energy, I I think it's going to be a, a very exciting game because, you know, like you say, we know that they've got to come on to us. We know that they're going to have to attack us. And we know that if teams overcommit against us, then we can really punish them on the break. So um, I'm going to stick my neck out and I'm going to say we will nick a 1-0 win at the Stadium of Light on Saturday um, amidst a chorus of boos and jeers and all sorts. Inject uh, it. Inject yeah. it. What about yourself? Um, I think we're going to go there and win 2-1, I think. Um, okay. I, I, I just think we're going to have too much for them. They're going to, as I say, they're just going to throw everything on the line, aren't they? Like, like they're going to have to and I think we're going to ultimately, we're, we're, we came fifth for a reason. We were flirting with the top two all season long for a reason. So, Yes, I think we're going to go there and, and pick them off and book a, uh, a date with either Oxford or Blackpool. Probably looks like Blackpool. Good stuff. Right. Well, that is going to do us for this week's episode of the Stacey West podcast. Gary isn't here next week. He is uh, not on holiday. He's busy, he's told me to say. So um, hopefully, you know, we might be back here this time next week, Jake, and we'll, uh, we'll be able to have... Uh, yeah, another upbeat conversation, hopefully. So. Well, God help the viewers if we're going to get knocked out, then. <laughs> could, you, could you 
you imagine? Don't put that negative stuff into the... Don't do it. Don't do it. The reputation reputation we would have amongst the Lincoln City fan base would be almost... You know, I'd I'd then go back to Central Bank, even though I've just renewed my season ticket. (laughs) Oh, dear. Right, well, that is, I say, that's going to do us. um, And, you know, we've got a lot to look forward to. So uh, let's keep at it and uh, up the imps. Right, here we go with your imps lining up for tonight's game and a welcome to the LNDR Stadium 221 Chelsea Bush. share boxes on the go your mates already got booked for double dipping but then you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfect order mcdelivery now on the mcdonald's app you in at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans